I want to read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 1. It's the account of uh, the birth of Jesus. Just uh, first few verses here. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Well, this is the name. This is the name that he wore as he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, as Luke 2.52 says. And while Jesus walked the earth, he called and sent out his disciples by this name, and they healed people and they drove out demons by the name of Jesus. And there was something about that name, something about it. But in some of his final words to his disciples, he tells them about a future change in his name. He, he says this in John 16, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. And you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, didn't they heal people? Didn't they drive out demons in his name? Okay, maybe this is something different. Uh, then he says, in that day, you will ask in my name. You see, there was something that happened to the name of Jesus after the crucifixion and resurrection. In the letter to the Philippians, it's described like this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. I always wonder about that under the the earth part. You know, I guess that's just to cover all the bases there. Uh, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, the name of Jesus was exalted in power and authority in such a way that whoever he or she is, he or she should bow or will bow And he or she will confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. No matter what their name is, one day they will bow and confess to this one name, the name of Jesus. Genghis Khan will bow his knee and confess the name of Jesus. Alexander the Great, Cleopatra, Thomas Jefferson, Karl Marx, Susan B. Anthony... Winston Churchill, FDR, Fred Astaire, Paul McCartney, Ford, Nixon, Mick Jagger, Mel Gibson, Oprah, J-Lo, Billy Graham, Rihanna, Adele, Bush, Obama, fill in the blank with whatever name from whatever time period, but the power and authority of the name of Jesus is greater than their name. Oh, and you can also put your name in that list. You see, the name of Jesus and who it's attached to has been exalted above every name. And that's your name included and my name.
This is the name given by God the Father to the Son, Jesus, God's Son. And then Jesus Christ, in turn, has committed his name to his followers, to you and me, so that we might use his name. He's entrusted us with this powerful name. If you read through John 13, through John 16, over and over again, he says, ask Ask in my name, ask in my name, ask in my name, and it will be given to you. It will be given to you. It will be given to you over and over. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we kind of lose track and, and, and those words start becoming meaningless. But, you know, think of it this way. Sometimes you can tell a person, go and tell so-and-so to do this thing. And if you're asked, if they ask you why you're doing it, just tell them, I, I said so. You give your name to a certain person, he or she uses your name. And you are responsible for whatever that person does in your name, aren't you? This is the kind of trust that Jesus has given us with his powerful name. Yet we've kind of worn out the phrase in the name of Jesus that we've kind of forgotten the authority the meaning and the power behind those words and behind the name of Jesus. So for the next few Sundays, we want to stare at Jesus and the person behind that name, understanding the power and authority of Jesus by knowing the names that he's revealed, the names that Scripture gives to the Messiah, Jesus. You know, there's a particular name that we're going to start with, and that helps us understand the exalted nature of the name of Jesus. It's found at the beginning and ending of a letter called Revelation, and it's at the beginning and ending, just like bookends. And Jesus himself says this, I am the Alpha and Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And again, at the end of Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In a letter titled Revelation, what does that name reveal about Jesus? Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, like Sue was telling you, while omega is the last letter of the alphabet. Now, in Greek culture, alpha and omega came to to symbolize or to designate the universe Everything in the universe. Now, understand the Greeks, they're pretty knowledgeable people. They had a big idea of how big the universe was, so it wasn't just their little world right there on the islands. But they understood and looked up at the stars, named most of the constellations that we recognize and those names we still carry today. So, Alpha and Omega designated the universe in every kind of divine and demonic power. So in Jesus, in his name as Alpha and Omega, exists all the power of the universe. He existed before any other power. And he will continue after all such powers cease or have been subdued. In Revelation 1.8, the Alpha and Omega is further described as the one who is and who was and who is to come. Past present, and future. The essence of Jesus embraces all time. 
And we try to grasp at the thought of that, of his eternalness, and when we try, our minds blow up. It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. He was there in the beginning, and the universe was made through him. This is what the scriptures teach us. Everything that exists today originated with Jesus. He is the starter of all things. He is the alpha. But also in Jesus, we know that he is the finisher, the omega. In Isaiah, hear the the Lord's words. I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. That's one we have a hard time with sometimes. But Jesus is going to have the final word, being the last and being the one who can be in the past, present, and future simultaneously. He knows the order of things and the ending of things. This is where Jesus, as Alpha Omega, gets personal with us. You see, Jesus is the Lord over the beginning and ending of our very lives. I mean, you had nothing to do with bringing yourself into this world, did you? You didn't will yourself into this world, did you? And you won't be the one who wills yourself out either. All that concerns us from being born to dying is in his control. And that's the part maybe we don't recognize. We might recognize the beginning and the end belonging to him. But what about all the days in between, first and last? You know, we're told in scriptures that he is the author and finisher of our faith, the initiator over life's every detail. Think about it. The Alpha and Omega originated your start in life, and as Omega, he'll be the one who'll bring your life to an end one day. The same is true for those who start a spiritual journey with Jesus. He originates all we need to start, the faith, and all we need to finish the journey he's going to give to us. You know, there's a whole lot of comfort in this, and you should remember Philippians 1.6 He's going to help us. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll be the omega for you, the finisher for you. He is the alpha and omega. Think about the personal significance this means for you when you come and pray in the powerful name of Jesus. As alpha and omega, nothing escapes the sweep of his name, everything from start to finish. You don't have to fear about temporary difficulties because he's all in all and he controls all the power of eternity. As you pray, you can be confident. You don't have to be guilty from yesterday or fearful about tomorrow because he is not only with each of his followers in our yesterdays and todays, but he has gone before us in all our tomorrows. Tomorrow has yet to arrive for us, but he is already there. Listen to this prayer written by author Dick Eastman. I come to you, Lord, as a creature caught within time. So many of my days are too short 
So many of my trials seem too long. So much of life seems scheduled by a clock. I want to control it, but I can't. I confess my sins of impatience and haste. I have pressed issues before their time and made shreds of what would have been blossoms. I've hurried into situations and created waves of confusion instead of bringing kingdom tranquility. I need you, Lord. You who transcends time. You who are both eternal before and the infinite afterward. Come and fill me now. Jesus, Alpha and Omega, start writing what should have been written in the whole of my present circumstances. You are able to author the story the Father intends, and that's what I want. I don't want to write with my own wisdom. I've seen the end of those stories before, and I don't like them. So I pray today, help me to live in your name, Jesus Alpha and Omega, you who know all that has preceded this moment and what should flow out of it, guide my path today in your wisdom and for your purposes. He is the Alpha and Omega. You know, there are names of Jesus throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that give us similar images to the being wearing this name. Think of these as you try to hallow or revere the name of Jesus as Alpha and Omega. Remember the beginning of the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be your name. That's not a praise, that is a request. That's a, that's a petition. We're asking God, we want your name to be hallowed and revered. And it starts with us. Do we hallow and revere his name? Well, think of these names too. In Colossians 3, he is all in all. In Daniel, he is ancient of days. In Colossians 1, he is the beginning. In Isaiah, he's the everlasting father. In John, he is I am. And in Hebrews, he is the priest forever. But there's one more lasting connection with Alpha and Omega that has been remembered and emphasized by the church throughout the ages. And that is Alpha and Omega have been attached with the word made flesh. Alpha has represented Jesus' divinity and Omega has represented his humanity. Jesus is the living word and his word is the beginning and end for us. Sometimes uh, it's pictured in a symbol in stained glass windows in old churches. You'll sometimes see it. It's, it's a Bible opened up, and on one side it'll say, uh, have the, the Greek letter A, Alpha, and on the other, uh, the horseshoe type one, Omega, and it's on the, the pages of an open Bible. And it's, it's, this is, is where the Lord presses us in this idea of the word Logos, connected with Alpha and Omega. When will his word, the word, Logos, be the beginning and end for you in your life? When will his word have finality for you? When will it be when you no longer consult others, but you consult him? for what it is you should do. 
I get really frustrated when I, I see the, was it the, the Cirrus commercials, the new program that's coming out for iPhones and smartphones where you, you talk and you ask it a question. I, that just really bugs me. It really bugs me. When I, I was in Thailand um, and we were with the, the villagers there, the missionaries asked us not to wear watches because they said that every time we looked at a watch, we then made a decision. And so the villagers thought that the watches were some sort of worship God, a God idol type thing, because we would consult it every time before we did something. And of course, they wore bracelets and charms of different sorts of things around their wrists also to ward off evil spirits. So we wore one around our wrists, but we also looked at it to consult before we ever made a decision. So they told us not to wear it. And, and I just, I kind of feel like culturally and, and, and with anthropology and sociology, it's like there's this weird thing. Like we, we have these little devices and we look at them and we go, what should I do? Where should I go? And then even when, when we're, we're bored and we walk up and we're, we're standing, and especially with men, if the conversation lulls to a stop, what do we do? We check our phones, see if there's a message, see if someone's trying to communicate to us or, you know, and it's just weird. It's just weird. But I I wonder, you know, when is it that we're going to develop a habit of the word of God having finality in our life? When will it be the thing that when we we don't know what to do, we don't pull out our phone, instead we we pull out the word of God and we go, "What, what should I do, God? When will his word have finality? Be the beginning and the end for you in your life. The final sweeping authority from start to finish. When in your life do you come to the end of you and the beginning of him? When you neglect the living word of God, you cast aside the logos, the author and finisher, Jesus, who has embodied the word. As Christ followers, we don't pick and choose through the Bible. Oh, I'll heed what it tells me here, uh, but for this instruction on life, uh, I don't think that's for the 21st century. Yeah. You see, the word is not made up of arbitrary things that, that God just said, oh, I think I'll throw this one out there. The word is derived by the very character of God. In Jesus we see the Word made flesh, fully God, fully man, Alpha and Omega. He will have the first and last word for each of us of, in our lives regardless. That is the authority and power that he has been given. His name has been exalted above every name. Every name out there. And your name and my name too. But everything between the first and last day we live, will we choose to give him that sort of authority in our lives? All the days between your first and last, will he have a say in it? While you're on earth, will you disregard the author and his narration for life? Or will you let the one who originated your life guide you to the end of your journey? Nate and the band, you guys can come on up. Jesus brought a conclusion. He brought a conclusion and an omega to the law. 
When will you stop trying to live by the law and make a start with the alpha in grace and living by grace? Jesus has brought an end. He's brought an omega to the slavery of sin, being your master. You have the chance to walk free, a start, an alpha in freedom. Jesus can bring a finish, an omega to the old way of life and give you a new beginning, an alpha of new life. Don't let Jesus just have the first and last day of your life on this earth. Let him be the first and last of every single day. Right now, if you can, I, I don't know if you can or not physically, but what we read from Philippians about every knee bowing, every tongue confess. I, I really do believe that one day that's going to physically happen. I don't think it's an a illustration or a, or a metaphor or some sort of picturesque kind of symbolic thing. I do believe that will happen one day. And, and I, I also believe that it's going to be a thing where there's some of us who've already done that. And so it's going to be a joyful thing when we do it. It's going to be a thing that, that we'll willfully do. But I think for some people, there's going to be some people who have never done that on that day. And when they do it, it may not be a willful thing. It may be just because of the sheer power of who he is. They will have to acknowledge and confess that he is Lord. And so right now, I'd, I'd like us just to do a little practice run if we could. And, and just, I know sometimes we get out of the habit of getting on our knees. And, and if you're physically able, I'd, I'd like you to be able to get on your knees. And I know if you can't, hey, one day Jesus will give you new knees, all right? New joints. And you'll be glad for that day. But if you can right now, I, I'd like us just to get on our knees and, and just to pray, acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today, Lord, we bow our knees willingly to say that, Jesus, you are Lord of all, that you are the name above every name. We honor you with with our posture, with our very bodies, not just something inside our minds or in our hearts, but outwardly, we acknowledge you this way this morning to say that you're a king, Lord of everything. You are the Alpha and Omega. And Lord, we do believe Jesus, that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And if you're willing, you want to, you can acknowledge with your mouth right now, say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand and let's worship.